I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. So as we were on our way up to the loft, Brock said that first is the cursed, second is what? The blessed. The blessed. And third is the one that has to confess. I thought it was yet to confess. Yet to confess. Okay. Third is the one who's yet to confess. And who was third, Brock? You. I was. So is this, so I have to confess. I have been reading, and at times I I got confused about uh, Ahab being the king of Israel, not Judah. And I think at one point, I even just a couple chapters ago, I made the point that, see, the kings of Judah were really bad too sometimes. And I was talking about Ahab, but of course, Ahab is the king of Israel, not Judah. And so I confess that that was in error, and I didn't mean to offend anyone. Ahab was clearly the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. It gets confusing because really both the north and the south are Israel, right? Collectively, I think of them as the nation of Israel, right? But the nation of Israel was split up into two nations. Israel. Israel and Judah. (laughs) It's still Israel. I know. So that's why I get a little bit confused sometimes. Maybe you call it be called a different name. Tonight we are on chapter 21. In the previous chapter, King Ahab received the prophecy that he will die. Because what did he fail to do? Um, kill um, Ben-Hadad. That's right. Kill Ben-Hadad. Because Ben-Hadad was under whose judgment? Lord. And it wasn't for Ahab to decide. Furthermore, we tied this into discernment. Ahab only discerned what was good to Ahab. Because remember, Ben-Hadad offered him his land back that had been stolen. But you know what? Who gave, ultimately, if you keep going back and back, who gave King Ahab the land? God. God. Right? Because God gave it to the Israelite people as an inheritance. So, God gave Ahab the land. It really wasn't Ben-Hadad's to give back. It was God's to give back. And God gave it back. And yet, Ahab didn't worry for even one minute about trying to discern what the Lord would have him do. He was delivered victory twice over a bigger, more powerful, stronger army 
And he never once asked the Lord, what should I do? He just took all the good things that the Lord was blessing with and lived with them like he was the one who was responsible for it all. Last night I said, we know what that looks like. We see people do that all the time. And talking about confessing, I just want to confess I'm like that sometimes. You know, where all this good stuff comes to my life and I forget to even ask the Lord, like, what do you want me to do with this? Maybe it's a, a bonus, like an end of your bonus. You know, you get some extra money that you didn't plan on getting. Maybe it's uh, some extra time. You got all your work done early. Something that you thought you would have to do for a long time cleared up. And the Lord blesses me with us with a lot of good things. And I I don't always ask him, Lord, what is there anything you need this for? This time? This money? This, my heart? Like, it, direct me. And I forget to ask him, you know? So, I just didn't want it to sound self-righteous. We all struggle with this at times. King Ahab was a leader, and when leaders struggle, the whole nation pays for it, usually. In this case, the prophecy was against King Ahab. So let's continue in chapter 21. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or, if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed sulking, and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? God, this, this, I haven't heard sullen yet since we've been reading the Bible, and I've heard it three times in the last chapter. What is sullen? I need to educate myself because I'm just guessing that it's upset. Sad. Yeah, sad, upset. But I would or have never. Angry. Well, maybe angry. She says, why won't you eat? He answered her, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel his wife said, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat, cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth city with him. In those letters, she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting, and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him, and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. That's evil. Yeah. And the guy with the vineyard did nothing wrong. Right, but remember, Jezebel's a foreign queen. Yeah, because she's the wife of the king, and she initiated the growth of worshipping the Baals in Israel and worshipping the Asherahs. So, what do you expect? Verse 11. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth city did as Jezebel directed in the letters she had written to them. Elders and nobles doing this. I mean, there's something wrong there. 
the elders and the nobles, so the leaders of your society, the, the, the people who are supposed to be the wise men of your society, are just totally listening to this lie. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came, I also like that word, scoundrels, and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Wow. Terrible. Terrible. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, that he refused to sell you. He is no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. You know, Ahab had a habit of not discerning the Lord, and he wasn't, like, he didn't have an active relationship with the Father. But at least he was, like, maybe a partially ethical person, you know? Like, he didn't... He could have killed Naboth. He could have came up with his plan. He was king. Right? But I really think that even though he didn't have a relationship with the Lord, the Lord's conscious conscience of right and wrong is still something I believe we're born with. There is a law of ethics that's just written on our hearts as human beings. And you have to totally deny goodness at all to get rid of it and look at Jezebel. I mean, what a terrible leader that would be to live under. Somebody who wanted what you had, so they just killed you. You know? It's important for you boys, when you get older, and Harper, when you get older, we're talking much older, like adult years, when you look for somebody who's gonna you're going to spend the rest of your life with, who you're going to be united in marriage with, super important that you should think of is, is this somebody who's going to help me grow in my relationship with the Lord? Or is this somebody... Who's going to hinder my growth in the relationship with the Lord? You know? When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, This is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Wow. He didn't want there to be any confusion. The prophets, prophets had to be, sometimes they had to be pretty, don't take this wrong, I mean like bad as in like firm. They had to be pretty bad dudes sometimes. Because, think, you get this word from the Lord, hey, go and tell this to the king. It's going to totally upset the most powerful person on earth who can totally strike you dead if he wants with all the things he has. But you go ahead and go tell him this, that he's going to die and and put in these kind of gruesome details. <laughs> but if you know the Lord is with you, you know, you shouldn't have any fear. Or you should be able to respond even though you have some fear. And And that was one thing that was obviously special about prophets. When the Lord gave them the word, they weren't concerned with who they might offend. They weren't concerned with what they might lose. They weren't concerned with how society might treat them if they stood up for the truth. 
they just stood up for the truth that God had given them, for the, with the word that God had given them. Sometimes people talk a lot about tolerance today. And what they really mean when they tell you to be tolerant is to embrace something that your Lord says is evil as something that's perfectly fine and acceptable and good. What does embrace mean? To accept it. To stand for it. You know? And the truth is, is that when the Lord... He's given us a word already about a lot of the things society tells you to stand for. It's in His word. The, the Bible. And the truth is, is that even though it's not popular in society, we should be drawing the line where God draws the line, which is that, hey, that's bad. That's wrong. And you're not judging somebody. Do you understand that? Like when somebody is doing what's wrong, you're not judging them when you tell them that's wrong, right? You can actually still love them easily. Easily you can still love them. We all have to love each other and we all know we do stuff that's wrong, right? Everybody does. So it's easy to love somebody who's doing the wrong thing. When you tell them you're doing the wrong thing, you're not not loving them. But that's what society will tell you. You're being intolerant, you're being hateful, and you're not loving. And that's that's not right. Because if you actually do love somebody, you are considered you are concerned about their relationship with the father. Right? Verse 20, Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I am going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Baasha, son of Ahijah because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. Verse 25, there was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. That's powerful. It said Ahab was as evil as anybody had been evil before him. When he agreed with God that that was wrong and became humble, the Lord said, I'm going to spare him. I think what we need to focus on is the Lord was merciful to him. Was it because Ahab started doing everything correctly and never sinning again? No. No. It was because he humbled himself and said, God, you're right. 
I mean, he didn't really say it, but his actions say that he agreed with God. And even if he didn't like it, he agreed that God was God. And the Lord forgave him. The God and Lord, the Father will forgive, no matter what kind of situation you get yourself in, no matter what sin you see, you find yourself struggling with in life. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with a sin right now, or if you're a maturing Christian for the next 50 years, and you find that as as an old man you're struggling with a sin. The Lord is faithful and just to forgive us as He already has through Jesus Christ. He doesn't have a limited capacity to forgive. So you can always come before the Father and humbly just say, I was wrong. He's already forgiven you, right? You're not even, it's not like you're being forgiven of something you weren't already forgiven of. Jesus took care of it, past, present, and future. But sometimes we build up a wall with our decisions because we don't feel like we're clean enough to come to the Lord. But just know, whatever that sin is, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how bad society might make you feel, or some other religious person might make you feel like you're unworthy or you're unsaved or you're unclean, no matter who judges you, just remember, the Father will always accept you. So will I. I love you, kids. Love you too. Music.